640 handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, right uh, before Leo Laporte comes aboard at 11 o'clock. All right, a couple of things going on uh, this morning I want to share with you. Uh, one, we have lines open. Sometimes, uh, I think last week, uh, walked into the show and uh, every line was jammed. And then sometimes we have lines open. So lines are open. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. And you can get marginal legal advice. The other thing, and I get very excited about these Saturday mornings, is first of all, uh, the studio here during uh, the show uh, is a closed set, if you will. Right? You, you you really can't come in and spend time and you don't just say, hey, I'd like to visit. No, it doesn't work that way. However, uh, we do, quote, sell visits to the studio uh, via charitable contributions. And it happens at various charities. I'm not going to be pitching for money now. But uh, we I lend uh, a, a morning with uh, us and uh, Yahang and uh, Brent's Deli. You've heard of Brent's Deli? Of course you have. Caters breakfast. So it's a combination of a visit with Brent's Deli. And it does not get better than that. Uh, because there are three days that were the most important days of my life. Uh, married Marjorie, had my kids, discovered Brent's Deli. And I don't know which of the three is more important. And I'm almost afraid to admit which of the three is more important in my house? 800-520-1KFI. Lines open, top of the hour. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Well, I, there is uh, a gentleman... In uh, Louisiana, I'm not going to call him a gentleman, a a guy in Louisiana who was being tried for a capital crime. And uh, he did one of those horrible, in this case, a triple murder. And when anybody is ever charged with a capital crime, the crime is heinous. Very difficult to get the death penalty. Uh, Very difficult uh, to ever get the death penalty until the crime is completely nuts. Unless you're in Louisiana, Texas, and then uh, a speedy ticket. Uh, will will get you the death penance, uh, death sentence. So anyway, uh, he, this fellow who was clearly overwhelmingly guilty had uh, just, there was no defense to this case, tells his lawyer, I want you to plead not guilty. I want you to tell, I want you to defend the case and say I am innocent. And this is in contradiction to everything that's on the table. Well, the lawyer doesn't do it. The lawyer won't do it. What the lawyer does is admit the guilt and then ask for leniency. That was his philosophy. That was his strategy. And the fellow kept on saying, "Uh, I want you to argue the case. I am innocent. I am innocent. I didn't do this. Well, of course he did. But so he argues the case, taking the... Uh, The guilty, uh, effectively a guilty plea, admits to the guilt and then asks for the uh, for the leniency. Well, yeah, of course, they nailed him naturally. So uh, what ends up happening is death penalty opponents will take any case they think they have a shot of overturning. 
to take the death penalty off the table. And then what happens is the case automatically, uh, the sentence automatically goes to life imprisonment without parole. Uh, Except in certain cases like this one, where the Supreme Court said that he didn't even get the trial that he deserved. That the lawyer screwed him out of the basic premise of his trial, and that is to plead not guilty and argue the, uh, argue the case from a point of innocence. And um, Supreme Court tossed it out, said, you get a new trial. And that is highly, highly unusual. And so it had to do with search and seizure. It had to do, they found 49 bricks of heroin in his car and the triple murder and on and on. But uh, they, asked, uh, they asked for a new trial. And then the prosecution has to decide, do we, in fact, uh, go ahead with a new trial or not? Very unusual for uh, an entire case to be tossed, but it does. So the court said, you know, a lawyer has to follow his client's instructions. And on behalf of the lawyer, the case was so preposterous trying to argue innocence that there was no chance. But that's not the point. The point is a lawyer has to represent his or her client. Okay, let's take some phone calls. Bob, hello, Bob. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, uh, I received uh, two letters. The first one was uh, a uh, claim um, insurance company located in New Jersey, and uh, they have a branch in L.A., requesting four thousand, close to $4,000 that they have paid the client, and I'm responsible, they say. In that letter, they have uh, stated they have all the documented attached where I did not find anything. After that contact with them, they said, we have sent you everything we have. And I forgot about it. I let it aside. And then second one I received uh, Tuesday. This one was a special mail that you have to sign for it. I forgot the name. Asking of you for the and same thing, saying you owe us four thousand dollars. Okay, exactly. Was, all right. Was a claim ever made? Other than Not, you, other than we, you owe us four thousand dollars that we paid the driver of this accident in which you are at fault. Was a. There is, go ahead. Okay. What did you ever receive anything other than you owe us four thousand dollars? No. Okay. Uh, this is easy. You should have uh, responded the first four thousand dollar letter. Okay. You go ahead and call them. There's probably a phone number on I, there. There's probably a claims adjuster. And what did you say? I did. I asked them what are the information, and on the phone they told me we have gave. You, I gave them the claim number they gave me on the letter, and I they said we have sent you everything we have. No, I get it. So you call them, and then that's it. They sent you everything they have, and uh, they want the four thousand dollars, and you want to know what to do. Correct. Right. All right, Bob, you call him back, and you ask for the fraud department. Fraud department. Fraud department and say you've been defrauded. Or actually, you're insured to the insurance company. You're saying you've been defrauded. This accident never... But nobody, co- nobody collected anything against me. No, I understand. They want to collect right. it now, Bob. Right. Correct. Correct. Okay, so you call the fraud department, and you say this never even happened. I will do that. This is fraudulent. That's what you do. And you don't ignore letter from insurance companies. You never ignore letters, especially when someone is arguing that you are liable. You have to jump on it right now. And, uh, well, certainly ignoring court 
documents. It's crazy. You get served or you're subpoenaed as a witness or whatever it is, or a subpoena is issued for documentation that you have, uh, you immediately jump on it. This one's an easy one. There's fraud. There's absolute fraud. My daughter got nailed on one where she got into a legitimate accident, and then a guy behind her uh, follows her into the parking lot. She didn't even know he was there. So the accident, so she drives into the parking lot with the person that she hit. No issue. Liability. She's at fault. And then this guy shows up and uh, takes uh, takes the uh, information, uh, the license plate information. And the next thing we know, the insurance company comes back and uh, said we had to play the other claim, too. And uh, you owe some money and uh, said, no, never happened. And what's crazy is he claimed there was a part of the car that was not hit in the accident. And he said the front left uh, bumper fender uh, was uh, on my daughter's car was damaged uh, because that's where he hit her. And so my daughter takes the car to our insurance company and our insurance company comes back and says, uh, gee, all the evidence shows that uh, your daughter is at fault on the second one, too. And, we, and I started fighting it. I said, this is crazy. First of all, we sent the car to your body shop. That's the insurance company's body shop because they refer. I'm looking at the pictures that show no damage. That's the evidence. They had already paid him, by the way. And we said, too bad. You can pay him whatever you want. I don't care if you write checks for a million dollars. That's not our problem. And, of course, we had it reversed. But you have to deal with the insurance company. This is Handle on the Law. Follow me into the door. Hi. KFI Handle here. Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Okay, Jim, your turn. Jim, go ahead. Yes, um, I had a civil case that settled about three and a half years ago. Um. And my lawyer at that time said that he was going to have all the medical bills from the lien paid in about a month. I said, okay. Um, about a year and a half later, I had not heard from him. I had called him so many times. About a year and a half later, I started getting calls from collection agencies and the doctors. Oh, okay. So he, he, didn't, he didn't pay the doctors out of the account. Yeah, and that was, okay. that was a year and a half after. So now three years later... And he said, I called him then, and he said, yes, I'm going to pay them two days. Don't worry about it. All right. So Now, three years later, yeah. I get a $10,000 yeah, no, bill. How, yeah. So you're getting how much uh, a bill for how much? 10000 Oh, I just got one from the other day from 10000 from one doctor. Okay. I mean, we're talking about maybe $30,000 worth of Okay. How much, how much money did you get out of uh, the settlement? $50,000. $50,000. Okay. Uh, now, this gets a little bit interesting, and that is... The lawyer should have paid uh, the amount of money that was owed, the lien money, should have actually negotiated with the doctors. So you are, so you received the money. You got the money that should have been paid to the doctors, correct? No, the lawyer got the money. I was, so what percent? Wait a minute. The lawyer got the money, so he kept his percentage plus the amount of money? Yeah, but the, the 50000 was sent to him. No, it's always sent to him. But uh, the point is, did you get the money that would have gone to the doctors? No. You're saying no. The, the lawyer got the money? 
the lawyer said he has. He said, "Don't worry, I have the money in in an escrow." Okay, account. if he has the money, then he has the money. What I'm asking you is, so the answer is no. You didn't get the money that otherwise would have gone to Correct. the doctors. Okay, so it's still sitting in an escrow account. According to him. Okay, yeah. uh, here's what you do. Uh, the first thing you do is you call the lawyer and say, I'm putting a complaint to the state bar for abandonment of client. If he took the money, uh, he loses his license to practice law because that's pure theft. I mean, he's got a criminal violation on his head, on his hands. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, you can't do that. Now, if he's kept the money in a trust account to be paid to the doctor's, uh, then he hasn't stolen it. Then it's just pure negligence. Then he's just abandoned you, and that's not nearly as as big a violation. It's not nearly as egregious as obviously stealing the money. So uh, you, yeah, what I would do is um, tell him, email him, phone him, and saying he doesn't call you back within 24 hours and start dealing with this, uh, then uh, a state bar complaint is uh, going to be written uh, by you. You're going to file one. And okay. then... Okay, and then probably part of the money that is owed to the doctors is interest. And so now it's up to the doctor, uh, the lawyer, to deal with the interest, negotiate with uh, the various doctors. That's what a lawyer does. Right, that's that's right. So what about the negligence? What what, what rights do I have? Your right is not to have damages. Your right is to get uh, all your damages back. The problem you have is that you owe the money. Right. In other words, you received the benefit of, excuse me, of the treatment. Correct. So the money is legit. Now, interest, the lawyer's responsible for, and it's, um, see, if you spent the money, then that puts you in a very bizarre or horrible position because now you don't right. have the money to pay. So right. what you have to do is negotiate, and I don't even know if this is the lawyer who, who does it. Maybe you have to do it on your own, is say, hey, the lawyer screwed me, didn't pay you. What can we do? Right, exactly. But, yeah, but the lawyer has the money, apparently. Well, then then there's money to pay. Then you're in good shape. Then you just simply start negotiating with the providers. Maybe they'll okay. take 50 cents on the dollar. Maybe they'll take 75 cents on the dollar. Right. Yeah, I was wondering if I had a case against this guy for messing me up, messing up my credit. Uh, oh, and yeah. Not- yeah, he's responsible for that, too. Oh, yes. Oh, all of it. You may want to, not- you may want to get another lawyer to sue this lawyer. And part of it is the negotiations because he screwed you pretty badly. So is, can you recommend some? Yeah, you can go to the website. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. Okay. Which you should have done in the first place. I, because, I actually I did. I, I went into handleonthelaw.com and I, I sent in. And no lawyer, would, no lawyer would pick it up? No lawyer responded. Oh, interesting. Whoa. It's been, all right. It's been about that's been two weeks. Yeah, all right. That's why I'm calling. No one, no one okay. responded. Okay. Got it. Oh, that's. Uh, I have to look into that case and settled out for $50,000 and none of our lawyers wanted it. Something's wrong with that story because lawyers want business, especially if the case is good enough to settle. Okay. Let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, internet security. You want to watch out for links being sent via Facebook messenger, for example. Uh, What they may contain those messages is face X worm malware. You click on the malware link, you take into a fake YouTube page uh, you're trying to get a, a browser extension installed, and from there, the passwords are stolen, yours. And then off it goes into nightmare land. There are so many threats in today's connected world. It just takes one weak link for criminals to get in, which is why I'm suggesting LifeLock. The new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security 
to help protect you against not only threats to your identity, but your devices. And if you do have a problem, they have agents will work to fix it. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, monitor every transaction, every business. But new LifeLock with Norton security is tremendous security. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE for an additional 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK. This is HANDLE on the law. I'm watching me. Handle here on a Saturday morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Oh, all right. Uh, this, is a, this is a call I get every once in a while, but uh, sure, why not? All right, Cal, you're up. Yes, Cal. Hi. Yes. Hi. What is, what is the difference between a legal separation and a divorce regarding liabilities and uh, advantages? Well, there, I don't think there are any advantages to legal separation. Uh, it's uh, t- To me, it's just half stupid. Uh, here's what happens. The second you separate, you're separated. In other words, uh, community property is the same. Uh, is uh, The uh, income is separated. It's the same as divorce. The rules are all the same. The only thing that legal separation does is you have to go through the paperwork. And if you want to get divorced, you have to do it again and file for divorce. And so it just makes it easier. Just you come back together. You don't have to get remarried again. But, you know, I, I, why bother? Uh, get divorced. And if you want to come back together, you get married again. And you go to Las Vegas. And at least you get the fun of a, a Elvis impersonator pastor who sings, uh, you ain't nothing but a hound dog in the middle of your marriage. So I've never been a big fan of legal separation. Uh, are you f- in, in legal separation, would... Would um, it affect medical insurance? Not really. Medical insurance uh, is no. If it's it's a divorce, yeah, no, I get it. But I, I, you know, what I don't know with legal separation, probably, and it might. But uh, are you going to get? Let me ask you this: about you? No, no. Who's it about? It, it's about our kids. Oh, but, but once the divorce, you have to final, ask. You know, what you have to do is you uh, have to ask. Uh, the insurance carrier, the employer. If it turns out that um, under the plan that, uh, let's say it's your son who is working, I'm just guessing now, and the wife is not, and there's a family plan provided by the company, uh, then you may, and you ask the company during legal separation, is there still insurance? Sure. But let me ask a question. Why was someone who wants to separate and doesn't want to deal with the other side, uh, even care. I mean, what do they care if they get run over by a bus? <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, if there's there's kids involved. No, I understand. If there's kids involved, then there's no choice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's the kids are covered anyway. Right. It's right. the spouse who may or may not be covered. But then you want to find out if insurance goes. If it if it turns out that uh, legal separation, the spouse is still covered, then. Uh, to keep the spouse covered, why would you do that? Because that means you're never going to get divorced. Yeah. You know, and, and during legal separation, uh, one side hates the other side. If I'm divorcing Marjorie, man, I'm going to leave her on the sidewalk on her ass. I don't care. <laughs>
See, she's laughing. I'm serious. See, that's the way it goes. Oh, Steve. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hi, Bill. Um, My dad died about nine years ago, and uh, he had a piece of property worth less than $50,000. I've been making a property payment on it since he died. My question is, is I need to put it through probate so I can get put into my name so I can sell it. Is there a statute on limitation? No, not really. No, no, no. It's uh, your dad still owns the property. Your dead dad. Uh, The authorities uh, probably... Uh, the county recorder, the assessor's office, have no has no idea that your dad is dead because they don't nope. share that information. So, according to them, you're that he's still alive. Are you the only uh, recipient? Are you the only beneficiary? Uh, my sister, but we get along really well, so she has no problem with me doing it by myself. But I all right, then she has to she has to sign off. You just have to do a little yeah. research. It's going to be a summary. Uh, uh, it's going to be a, a summary event. Uh, and, uh, so you just have to look up the rules. You may want to call, you may want to buy an hour of a trust and estate lawyer. It's, you're going to do it all yourself because it's really easy. It's procedural. The money is so small that it's a process that the law allows to go through pretty quickly. So I can get an hour from a lawyer and then just do the paperwork myself then. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I would because the process is so simple. Why would you pay a couple thousand dollars for a lawyer when it's simply filling out forms? And then the declaration is you're the only uh, uh, you're the only beneficiary, uh, and your sister signs off on it, saying, "Yeah, I want Steve to have all the money or the proceeds," and then it transfers to you. So okay. I, I think you'll be okay on that. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, can you imagine a sister that doesn't care? I have set it up. So my kids get into the biggest fight of their life over the money. I mean, if you think they hate each other now, you just wait. And I've purposely set that up. So they're going to spend years trying to get the money. See, yeah, you have to you have to have fun with this stuff. You know, you take what you're going to just give your money to your kids or your spouse, please. Come on, let's do it right, okay? Uh, Alex. Hi, Alex. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So I have, um, I transferred money from my Chase account with QuickPay uh, to my Bank of America account. After a couple of days of not receiving it, I actually contacted Chase. Um, turns out that when I put in my email, my, my personal email and my name to send the funds to, they were sent to my ex-girlfriend who has set her Quick pay account using my personal email. Okay, how much uh, how much money is uh, transferred over? Fourteen hundred. Okay, that's theft. That's out right. now theft and fraud. Go to the bank and say you fraudulently allowed money. Here is my email account. Here is my account, and you've allowed someone who is not on my account to receive the money. And you didn't. Right. Sh- and you didn't check with me. They're responsible. Bank of America is, well, in this case, it would be Chase that would be responsible because they're the ones that transfer the money. And on top of that, you sue the girlfriend. For right. Well, I have a claim with, I have, I filed with small claims. Um, Chase is saying that I personally pushed the accept button. Um, so they're wiping their hand and saying, of course, did you? And you, per, they, you personally pushed what? Okay. To no, no. What are they saying? You personally pushed, and I didn't hear the rest of it. Oh, I'm sorry. With um, that I push, I pushed okay to send the funds. And you're saying you didn't? Well, I did because it says my because I was sending it to my personal email. Okay, and uh, okay, so you say yes, I okayed it because it was going to go into my email, and you guys sent it in the wrong email. This is fraud. You are responsible. 
uh, because you didn't send it into my email and there's nothing on the record other than, oh, sure, transfer it to someone else's email. I think you've been, I think that Chase is responsible, my opinion, but you're certainly, the girlfriend certainly is responsible for the $1,400. And you have a small claims uh, case against her? Yes, I'm actually going to uh, give the paperwork to the sheriff on Monday. and um, to Okay, that's it. it. Then you're doing you're doing everything right. So should I should I um, should I file also yes. charges against her? Yes. Okay. Well, you can yes file everything you can. Make life miserable because uh, you've been screwed both by the bank and by your ex. The bank has a stronger argument. They're saying you pushed okay, uh, but going into the other account. However, if there's paperwork that says you pushed okay that the money is going to go into an account that is not yours, you have the responsibility of making sure the money is going. Look at the paperwork. And if it shows uh, the money is going into an account that you don't want it to go into, then and you press okay, you've probably bought the store. Then all you can do is go after the girlfriend. Nice ex-girlfriend. Boy, good choice. You know, good for you. I've always wondered... Uh, yeah. Do you wake up at some point and say, I've married a, just a complete thief? I forgot to ask him if she was a good lay. Yeah, I do that often. All right. Obviously, I'm a, a big fan of home security. And uh, a lot of security companies, well, they're not thinking, how do we protect your home and your privacy? So uh, let me tell you about Simply Safe, which I've installed in my daughter's uh, condo. I'm, I've been talking about Simply Safe for years. They obsess over details. This is to give you an idea of the kind of thinking that goes on with that company. They have a camera you can control from your phone. And they've come up with this idea, a privacy shutter for the camera. Simply Safe wants you to be able to hear that click so you know it's closed. Uh, they wanted to have a light on it so you can tell when it's on. And they needed it to work for the entire lifespan of the system, which is years and years. So it's an effective home security camera with a thin, lightweight, aluminum privacy shutter that will work every single time. See, this is the kind of attention to detail. And it's across the board. This just gives you an idea of how fanatic they are about keeping your family safe. It isn't just home security. It's home security done right. So check out Simply Safe today at simplysafehandle.com, simplysafehandle.com to find out how extraordinary this company is. Incidentally, very affordable, and you install it yourself. I mean, I did it in half an hour. Simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. Back we go. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case. Uh, hey, Dan, uh, Len, I'm sorry. Hello, Len. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, got, got a question for you, um, obviously. Um, <clears throat> I was a uh, part-time solicitor for a lawn care company, and so I, I, I had to go door-to-door. And so I, I went up to a homeowner's place and talking with the uh, the, the older gal that, that owns the, the property, uh, I was, we were standing on the front porch and I kind of leaned up against her wood railing. And, well, I didn't realize it was so rickety that it gave way. And anyways, I I did a like a belly flop into uh, her cactus garden. Ooh. I know. That's it. And so because I didn't have insurance, um, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. So I went home and I had my girlfriend pull the, the thorns out, 
That's, that's, like, that's, a road, that's a Roadrunner cartoon. You know that, don't you? Well, I know. I mean, you know, I can't even make this crap up. But oh, anyways. No. All right. So you got infected? Yeah. And then so I finally broke down and had to go to the doctors because, yeah, I got stabbed on my arm uh, about my uh, breast, neck, and, and head area. All right. And how about how much were the medical bills? $1,500. But now the, the, the company fired me the next day. <clears throat> Why? And because I was I was kind of complaining about you know well you know what do you okay guys, you yeah know, all right I get do? it all right so you fifteen hundred dollars worth of medical bills uh, you and, take a f- and, yeah and the old raisin wants to sue me for repairing her oh her no 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 she's uh, you know the only lawsuit here is you against her uh, no no leaning on a railing on a porch is uh, no you're not responsible for the fact that it, it was rickety. And the fact that she was talking to you implicitly, you had permission to be on the property. So she can't even argue trespass. Uh, you right. didn't have permission to go on. No. So what you have against her is whatever costs you in damages, medical costs, uh, pain and suffering. Uh, no, that's not going to fly uh, only because no one's going to take your pain and suffering seriously because wait, you got an ass full of cactus uh, thorns, which is very funny. Well, even though I'm walking away with scarring. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, scarring where? Uh, about my, well, my arm, breast, neck, and uh, head. Yeah, I, I don't know. How badly is the scarring? Uh, well, it's pitted. It looks like I had a, a bad pimple problem when I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. H- how ugly are you? I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I used to be good looking. Yeah, no, I get it. But that's back then. How ugly are you now? Because here's the argument is you are so ugly that it doesn't matter. Okay, well, that's uh, that. I mean, that's always an argument. Well, it's kind of hard to pick up a date now because you have scars on your arm. No, on my face and my neck. Ah, hold on! You didn't say your face. Yeah, my, my, uh, chest, my arm, my neck, well, my face. Got it. Yes, that is that's a lawsuit. The face, <laughs> the face is a lawsuit. Yes. And if, you're not, and, if, and if you're not ugly to begin with, see, the better looking you are, uh, the better, the more damages on uh, the uh, on the face. Because so if I, you're, go, if, I go after the old raisin that owns the house. Oh, yeah. God, yes. You go to a you go to a uh, personal injury attorney. Okay. Oh yeah, that's it. You, if you, yeah, just go. That's what you have to do, and then the attorney well, will take care I of it. If I got to get plastic surgery, do I make her pay for that too? Oh yes, all of it. That's why you want a personal injury lawyer like now. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have one, just go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. We've got dozens of them. All right. See, I talk about the ugly because here's the problem. If if someone is incredibly ugly, then the argument is the scars will make make you look better. And also you have, let's say you have the scar going down the side of your face. How did that happen? It was a duel in Heidelberg, which I won. And you should see the other guy. This is, no, we keep on going. Okay, fair enough. All right. I have my timing is already, already, always horrible. All right, Mark, uh, you're up. Welcome. Mark, you there? Hello? Yes. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Um, okay. My, um. My brother lives uh, close to where my mom does, and um, she's been real sick in and out of surgery for um, her heart. And um, 
she has a hard time getting around. And um, I'm living in California right now. They're in Nebraska. And I left some of my stuff there. He's been kind of like selling off my stuff and, and taking some of my stuff, helping himself. And then he got her to sign over her all her money and rights conservatorship. To, to him? Yeah. How much, and, money, how much money are we talking about here, Mark? Well, she sold her house and everything, probably – Three hundred thousand. All right, and and then, um, but and I asked her about that. She, I mean, she didn't really want to do that, but she said, "Well, I was in California." Yeah, no, I get it. I, I understand. Yeah, and I understand. I understand. So, so. What, what am I? Um, okay, you need yeah. a you need a lawyer in Nebraska to unravel that because you what you have is you have a brother that's used coercion uh, to have her sign documents, and the uh-huh. less lucid she is. The better off you are legally when, uh, first of all, I'm assuming she's sort of not there right now. She's arguing duress now, right? Well, she she just told me she's not happy about it. That, no, and... no, no, no. That's different. Not being happy is very different than duress. Well, she's she's living at his house and he's charging her like a lot of extra money. All right, for you rent need, here's what you, you have to find a trust and estate lawyer in uh, in Nebraska. Okay, is, is is that kind of a conflict if he's renting his house out to her too? And... Not necessarily, but it depends on how much he's charging. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, he's entitled to rent on his house and uh, whatever the law is in Nebraska. And I don't know the law in Nebraska, but it could be a conflict. Uh-huh. It could be that he's allowed to do it, uh, but he's just an ass about it. It could yeah. be that he is charging her more than is considered a reasonable rent under the circumstances. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, inherently there is a conflict on its face, and that yeah, is but- he is charging her and he is paying against the account of which he forced her to sign off the paperwork. That's why you need – that's right. why you need a trust and estate lawyer. Uh, and it's over there because, uh, I, I'm, well, unless all the documentation was signed here. And uh, then it's a different issue. Then you do uh, trust an estate lawyer here. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. Right up until 11 o'clock. Phone number is 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Very excited. Brent Stelly, downstairs. Big news. World War III is about to start, but it doesn't matter. Nothing is more, nothing is more important than those pastrami sandwiches. Just to let you know. Sure makes my day, doesn't it? Not yours. Although you can go there, too. All right. Uh, I just gave the phone numbers. Uh, what else? Any other announcements? Um, no. No. Let's just go right into it. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have no case. Now, sometimes when I uh, tell you about cases, uh, they're fairly important. Supreme Court has issued something that changes our lives, new legislation, uh, sometimes just uh, criminal cases that are fascinating. And then every once in a while... Just a case that is pure, unbelievable, phenomenal fun. And this one's out of Australia. And so this is a construction firm employee who sued 
the company and his former supervisor arguing that the supervisor, and I'm going to quote right from the lawsuit, would, quote, lift his bum and fart on him. Uh, David Hinkst sued uh, construction engineering, the company where he worked as a contract administrator for psychiatric and physical injuries, uh, suffered as a result of being bullied in the work uh, workplace. Uh, that's being fart on. It was an 18-day trial. Hinks claimed that his former super, uh, supervisor, Greg Short, started farting the day he returned to uh, the head office and took a desk in the communal office space and then progressed to the point where Hinks would do this every day, uh, where Short would do it every day. So Short tells the court, look, I don't recall doing it, maybe once, maybe twice, denying that he uh, was doing it with the intention of distressing or harassing Hinks. Um, the court heard that the constant passing of gas by Mr. Short uh, led Hinks to spray deodorant on Short and call him Mr. Stinky, uh, Stinky. Another former employee told the court he recalled Hinks uh, quite often was offended by some of the stuff that went on. Um, obviously, there were incidences where Short had the propensity to walk over the printer, which was next to me, Hinks said. And I sat behind the printer, and uh, he would flatulate. He would fart. You know, it happened quite, quite frequently. And it was a question of excessive flatulence, which uh, Hink said was in, case, was in fact bullying. And further, there was a conspiracy to marginalize him and terminate his employment. So uh, what do you think the court did in an 18-day trial? Well, the court dismissed it, right? Done. No case. By the way, he was suing for $1.8 million. That's a lot of 40. And the court said, didn't deny that what was going on was going on. Didn't The court accepted that, but said, even if all of that was true, that does not, that does not reach the level of harassment and does not release, uh, reach the level of um a case where psychiatric and physical injuries uh, have been suffered. What kind of physical injuries is what I want to know. I can I can see psych, psychiatric injuries. Anyway, case done. Ah, case of the farting lawsuit. Uh, the legal... Oh, sorry about that. I just hung up the phone. The legal issues I can see. The part that I just don't understand. How do you do an 18-day trial on one of these? Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's do it. Uh, Bob, where are you? There you are. Hello, Bob. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, thank you, Bill. I wanted to thank you. Your marginal legal advice turned out to be perfect. Okay, I hold thought- on. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that. Because this doesn't mar- happen very... Go ahead. <laughs> your marginal legal advice turned out to be perfect. One more time. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> your marginal legal advice... Vice turned out to be perfect. Excellent. Okay, now you can go on. And not only that, it was against the city of L.A. I won. Good for you. The rock fell. The boulder fell on my son's car when he was legally parked. We won in small claims big time. Went to Superior Court. I talked to you about that last time. You gave me some tips. Worked perfectly. We won the case. Now I got to collect somehow. Yes. Okay. 
there is a claims department that the city of uh, the city has. This is the city of L.A., right? Yes. Okay. There, there is a claims department, and you contact them and simply ask, uh, how do I submit a judgment that I have against the city for payment? They can't deny. All they can do is process. So you find out uh, how to do that. If you don't get any cooperation from them, you go to your city council office. And they oh. have, yeah, they have people that deal with constituents because they really like getting reelected. That sounds great. I looked everywhere in the Internet, and I could not find that advice. But, Bill, if you could answer just one small question I've been holding for 10 years. Yes. I left you two tapes. My sons are filmmakers called uh, Vigilantes, and I never heard if you enjoyed their... Yeah, I don't even... I don't. Frankly, I don't remember. You have no idea of the, the stuff that I get during the week. Yes, I had actually uh, been up at a solar... Yeah, st- co- yes. yeah, stacks of stuff. So if I were to read and look at everything, uh, I uh, I wouldn't have the time to do anything else. But uh let me i think you i think i think you'd get a big laugh okay so let me uh so let me okay so i'll answer the question even before uh viewing them if i can probably not funny probably not done very well and probably have a horrible opinion so there you go even if i haven't seen them before okay uh michael uh hello michael welcome to handle on the law yes michael you there yeah, I'm here. Can you hear? Yes. So my question is, my father-in-law, and this is in Oregon, went into a dealer because his car was uh, breaking, and they got the car that's been in a previous accident. So, I mean, maybe that could have caused it. But the issue is they took it to the dealer to get a diagnostic to see what to do with it. Um, the dealer did a diagnostic. They paid $300, uh, gave him a diagnostic, and they went home with it. And the diagnostic said they need to replace the ABS system. Um, when he told me the story, I said that doesn't make any sense. But anyways, they just uh, they didn't know what else to do, where else to go. So All they, right, did they replace the ABS system? Yeah, they went back into the dealer, paid him the $3,000, which the, it cost to replace the ABS. And this is a 2015 car, so it's roughly new. And they replaced the ABS system. When they pick it up at the dealer, uh, the problem's still there. The car is breaking. It can hardly drive. Um, and with a, I guess, brand-new ABS system. All right, so clearly uh, it's it's something else. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something else. And they actually figured that out after uh, one of the employees there noticed it them because I guess apparently they go to the same church, I believe. He noticed it, and he's like, hey, I can't believe they even... Okay, and when the ABS out. system, it was replaced by the dealership, correct? Yep. All right, so you get to talk to the general manager of the dealership and say, here's what you have to do. You uh, have to figure out what's going on here. Uh, and because in the end, there'll be a lawsuit, uh, small claims, and uh, they certainly don't want that. And the $3,000 that he paid for the ABS, automatic braking system, is uh, may have been $3,000 that didn't need to be spent. Because it's the same problem that occurred before they fixed it, correct? Exactly, yeah. The problem's still there. Okay. And I believe they actually fixed the problem themselves now because they figured it out. Uh, all right, so, so you yeah, got so it's all right, so that's easy. There's a lawsuit against uh, there's a lawsuit against the dealership for three thousand okay. bucks. And we can do small claims. Sure, of course. Oh up. yeah, even in Oregon, you can do small claims court. Yeah, that's where because this happened in Oregon. I'm assuming the dealership's in Oregon, correct? Yeah. Oh, right, and he lives in Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yep, fine. Sure. So all he does is file a small claim suit and just tell that story. 
Okay, yeah, because I was worried the dealer's... Uh, oh, the dealer's uh, going to deny uh, all of it. Oh, no, no, no. Of course the dealer is going to say, no, it needed to be fixed, yada, yada. And uh, you, your dad simply says, great. In the meantime, here's the problem. They said it's the ABS system. I spent $3,000 for a new system, and it's still the problem. So clearly it's not. So And then back and forth, and the judge gets to play with that. And that's all you can do is okay. file in small claims court. And uh, good luck, because you know the dealership is going to uh, fight that one for sure. All right, this is Handle on the Law. All right, back we go. Handle on a Saturday morning, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. All right, David, you're up. Welcome. David, you there? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, I got injured in an automobile accident. And, uh, of course, the dude that run me over had a minimum amount of insurance, and I blow through that quick. I had a lot of supplemental insurance. And when I signed the papers with the attorney, he said it was the third, third, third settlement. Right. I get Right. Am I legal? And all the bills were not paid. Them is my third free and clear, or am I? No, no. Let me, let me. It's, it's after. It's a third. What's left after the doctors are paid. So uh, how much? How much? uh, Let me ask you the medical uh, bills. How much were they? Four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, that's a healthy amount of medical bills. Uh, And um, what happened to you that you have four hundred grand worth of, of injuries? I got my, my left leg compound fracture, six fractures in my left leg, a scar about 12 inches long. He basically tore it off. So. Jeez. Um, and there was a $50,000 max on the insurance policy? His policy, correct. Right. And I'm assuming beyond that he has no assets, right? No, he said he had no assets. A 1976 pick-em-up truck. You all know, right. all yeah. Trucks. Yeah, you've got a problem. Your lawyer has to negotiate with the insurance carriers. Or with the medical providers, and it's a mess. The bills are so high that literally they may all go to the carriers, uh, the providers may literally all go. Uh, what? It, so the lawyer already I've settled. Already, go ahead. I've already signed the papers saying you know we settled, and they say the attorney got fifty grand, I got fifty grand, and he said the uh, the. Uh, Everybody else got food. And his advice to me is that it's probably a marginal, marginal legal advice. He said his advice to me was to spend my 50 grand because they can't, that's all they can go after me for is that 50 grand. Uh, no, 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 no. They can go after you for all of the money that's owed unless uh, there's an arrangement that's made between the lawyer and a group of doctors who agree they'll not take more than, than a third of uh, the uh, medical bills, a third of the settlement. And those are not doctors you want when you are as banged up as you were. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got a problem on your hand. $400,000. I mean, you're not only is all the money going to be gone or should be gone on the settlement, uh, it's uh, you're going to you owe $400,000 and you're probably going to have to go bankrupt on that. So well, here's another stipulation. I'm already in bankruptcy, and I and I filed a chapter thirteen four or five years ago. And okay, I'm so you can't go. So you can't go bankrupt. And so right. I think your lawyer. I wouldn't give you that advice because uh, it could be argued that what you're doing is committing fraud. You have the money to pay your creditors, and you don't. And you uh, have some money to pay medical bills, and you're not. But they can't get blood out of a turnip. 
and you're basically yeah. a turnip. You're a, you're a turnip with 400000 worth of medical bills. Let me put it this way. You're a turnip with 400000 worth of medical bills in one leg. Uh, no, I'm walking. I, I'm, I'm getting around pretty good. Thank you. Oh, okay, well, that's good. So you're uh, a turnip with $400,000 worth of medical bills, and you can walk. So, uh, yeah, you've got big, big issues on your hands, unfortunately. Sal. Hi, Sal. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I'm in the Navy. I'm a sanitary technician, and I just got to my ship, and everything just went awry. As a sanitary technician, I use a lot of cleaning equipment, and my shipmates would grab my mop from me and just slap me silly with it, and they would come up to me from behind, and they would punch me in the armpit. Oh, that's lovely. All right, so you're obviously being harassed, and uh, you're being beat up. Yeah, uh, it's all right. They, they poke me in the eye. I got oh, that's lovely. Okay, so with all that, Sal, what what is your question? Well, can I can I sue the Navy? Oh no, you can't sue the Navy. Oh, good God! Well, my, my superiors, I tell I tell them all the time, and they just laugh at all me. All right, you've got to go up further than that. You you have to go up as high as you possibly can, and it's tough when everybody in the service, all your superiors, laugh at you. Then you got a big issue on your hands. You really do. I just can't quit. Uh, no, you can't. But you can. Uh, you can ask for a psychologist. You're allowed to ask for medical help, and you can say, "I'm having a hard time, and I want to see a psychologist." Well, I went to the doctors, and the do- and what did the doctors say? They they because they punched me in the armpit and poked me in the eye. There's no bruising, no no. Oh, so the doctors don't believe you? I I don't think so, Sal. You got a big issue on your hand. There's a conspiracy afoot that they someone has pointed out saying we want to nail Sal and everybody else is part of it. So I don't even know where to go. I don't know how to sue the Navy for harassment. I truly don't. Okay, switching gears. Let's talk about a uh, home security system, which everybody should have. Now, how many home security systems uh, are thinking how do we protect your home and your privacy? Well, to give you an idea of simply the details that Simply Safe, uh, uh, Simply Safe concentrates on, and when I say this is a company that really knows its stuff, they have a camera you control from your phone, and it's with a privacy shutter. So, what Simply Safe wanted you to be able to do is the hear the shutter, uh, the shutter click, so you know it's closed, and they had to have a light so you could easily tell when it's on. And they needed it to work for the entire lifespan of the system. I mean, it's it's that good of a system. So what you have is an effective home security camera with a thin, lightweight aluminum privacy shutter that works every time. And you have a system where every door, every entrance, every window is covered and secured. And all of that is with Simply Safe. And it's reasonably priced. And, uh, well, it, what what do you pay for about 15 bucks? And there's no contracts. Simply Safe. Uh, check out Simply Safe at simplysafehandle.com. Simplysafehandle.com. Go to simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. AFI Handle here. It is a Saturday morning, 800 520 1KFI. 
Oh, yes. Arnie. Hello, Arnie. Hey, Bill. Yeah. I've got a uh, 16-year-old student loan. I'm the sole signatory. I'm 75 years old. I've had some major health problems. The balance on the loan is about $230,000. And I want to know, as a sole signatory, is there any liability for my surviving spouse? No, absolutely not. Uh, but let me ask, uh, why did you get a $200,000 student loan at the age of 60? Uh, I didn't get it. I got it from my son, who is a genius. Ah, got it. And uh, the loan at the time was around $100,000. Got it. Well, I mean, you're certainly liable. You're not probably not going to be able to go bankrupt uh, on it because the rules are very – That mean, you can. I think there are certain exceptions where you can – and what kind of money do you get? Are you, I'm assuming you're retired, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, okay. Social Security and a little bit of retirement. Okay. Uh, you own a home? No. I have zero assets. Oh, you're, then there's no, there's no place they can go. When Chapter 7 is yeah, there's, uh, there's no Yeah, ago. there's no place they can go. Uh, you, you just, there's no money. Where, what are they going to do? So it's going to be turned over to a private collection agency. I just don't want them going. I just want They're not going to go after your spouse. They're not, I mean, if you, got, if you co-sign the loan... While well, you were married, they can argue that. I didn't co There was no co-signing. It, the loan is only in my name. You took the loan for edu- for your own education and then gave the no, money for- to your son? No, 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 no. It, it's a parent plus loan. The, the, I, I am the sole debtor. They don't oh. even know my wife. They don't even know my wife's name. No, I understand. But for your, your son, your son isn't anywhere on the documentation. That's correct. I didn't know they had those kinds of loans. Well, back in the 90s, they were, like, throwing money at people to go to college, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There's, that's a whole philosophy. Every, every American should go to college, even people who right. can't even read or write. Right. They, they sign I'm their my, name. I, I'm on my fourth or fifth loan servicer now. All right. Well, you I have mean, to – so it, it, there's nothing they can do. Uh, Arnie, you've got to tell them, hey, here's the bottom line. I don't own anything. I have no assets. My money comes from Social Security and a retirement fund, none of which can be touched. Wonderful. So just tell them that, and you're done. Now, they're going to argue that when you signed, uh, you were looking at community assets, and your wife, in fact, is responsible, but I don't think they're going to go there. I really don't. It's an argument they have, and uh, based on where you're going, I don't think so. Oh, yes. Um, Okay, Austin, uh, this probably is uh, sort of a dumb one, but I like the idea of the aircraft engine. So go for it. Okay, uh, really quick. Uh, commissioned this company to uh, build an aircraft engine. Exactly. Would... What what kind of aircraft uh, the engine does an individual commission a company to build? Uh, just a race engine. For an airplane? Yes, sir. And how much money are we talking about for one of these? Uh, they wanted half down for the start, and it was $17,000. To build a, a, an aircraft, a, a racing aircraft engine? Yes, sir. That seems very cheap to me. Uh, that was only half. Oh, so it was half down, which was, was seventeen five. The the half down was seventeen five. Yes, sir. Okay, so, so go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm waiting for you. Okay, so uh, the terms were it would be done within six to eight weeks. Uh, give me seventeen five, and uh, when it's finished, you will give me the remainder of the balance. I said fine. Uh, after seven months of a lot of no return calls and things of that nature. Um, I finally terminated the contract and said, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. Just give me my money back. Um, went by the shop, tried to get the money back. He said he didn't have it. 
uh, but he signed a contract saying that he would pay the money owed by a certain date. And that didn't uh, happen. And that did not happen. All right, so you have a lawsuit against him. And uh, here's here's the problem. It's when the, the amount of money that you have uh, that's owed to you is more than small claims court by $7,500. And it is less, uh, it's uh, less money than it's worth it to pay a lawyer. So you're caught in the betwixt and between. A lawyer is too okay. expensive and small claims court, you'd have to suck up $7,500. Well... You may want to do that uh, because this guy, if he's not paying you, it's going to be very difficult to get money from this guy. $17,500. How does he come up with that? You can sue yourself in Superior Court. It's a fairly easy case to sue. Uh, He's probably not even going to show up in court. Or if he does, he'll answer the complaint, and you're going to ask for a trial, and you're going to wait a period of time, months to years maybe, Although maybe not, because all you're going to do is ask for a bench trial, and it'll take all of half an hour. And I don't think he has a defense. I can't think of a defense he may have. So you'll get your judgment. But what you're not going to get are two things, your engine or your money. Oh, no. No, three things. You you won't get your engine and your money, and you won't be able to escape from the grief you're going to have. Now, what about displaying this situation on social media within the racing community? Oh, you can do that. Uh, you can do that because it's true. Okay. Yeah. Now he will say, "I'll sue you. I'll sue you for a... defamation." But it's, that's what that was. was but it doesn't matter. Okay. It's true. Okay. If it is true, then that is a defense because you're not. You're not. What you don't want to do is say this is what he does all the time. This is uh, he is a thief. All you can say is, this is what he did to me. Make sure you only do that. Here's the documentation. This is, And let the implication go out, this is the kind of guy he is. Could he use that as an excuse to not pay? No, that no, by doing this, no, he, no. He can only use it as an excuse to sue you for defamation. And, okay. it's, and by definition, it's not defamation. Enjoy your airplane engine. And where do you put enough, a, and where do you put a thirty five thousand dollar airplane engine? Uh, well, you know what? A simple Cessna aircraft engine is around forty five fifty thousand dollars oh, alone. Really? So yes. so thirty five thousand dollars is reasonable, right? Yes, sir. Okay, just just asking. All right, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Don't do aircraft engines. I don't fly. Well, I do fly, but you know, I pay my money and get on an airplane and. Uh, Hope for bad service, which inevitably I always get. All right. uh, Let me tell you about uh, LifeLock. And uh, there is a link out there. uh, It's being sent via Facebook Messenger. So it could contain, and in many cases does, contain FaceX worm malware. You click on the malware link, and then you're taken to a fake YouTube page, which then will try to get you to install a browser extension. And if you do that, you've just opened yourself up. Passwords, I mean, all of it. So many threats in today's connected world, it just takes one weak link for criminals to get in, which is why I keep on telling you about LifeLock. LifeLock Identity Protection, uh, which saved my rear end a couple of three times. My daughter's just uh, two weeks ago. So 
What LifeLock Identity Theft Protection has added, the power of Norton Security. So they're not only protect you against threats to your identity, but now your devices. And that is protection. And if you have a problem, they have agents who will work to fix that problem. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, monitor every transaction at every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security can uncover threats that you might and probably will otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. couple lines open, 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Marianne. Hi, Marianne. You're up. Hi, uh, Bill Handle. Yes, ma'am. I was, um, I was working as a registered nurse in the hospital, and uh, I also became a union rep. You became and a union rep? By the way, yes. where, uh, Marianne, where are you from? I'm from Norway. Nor- there it is, a Norwegian uh, accent. Okay, I, lo- I love Norway, by the way. Just uh, cold, but I love Norway. All right. Yeah, I know. We have nine months of winter. And yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was there in uh, February. Uh, that was pleasant. So, uh, okay, you were a nurse and you're also a union rep, right? Yes. Okay. And um, I reported one of the doctors to the uh, health department because he did something illegal. Okay. What? And, uh, what did the doctor do that was illegal? Well, what he did was he took a union um, uh, a floor a secretary and he allowed him to suture a patient. Yeah, that's pretty illegal. Yep, that is illegal. Yep, for sure. So I reported him and I became not just uh, uh, targeted, but uh, abused. Um, By whom? By him or the entire staff? No, the entire staff became, uh, you know. Okay. And so... um, I had an issue that I wanted to take up with the manager, and I, I couldn't find him. And I went down to the uh, staffing office, and I put a note in his mailbox, and they fired me for that. And uh, my union representative, he says uh, that, you know, that was not uh, a, a reason to fire me. Right, right. And there's a collective so, bargaining agreement. So wh- what's your question, Marianne? Well, the problem was that two years later, I get this letter from the Board of Registered Nursing. It's false accusations against me, and they were going to give me three years of probation. So I instead, I, I wasn't going to take that, so I gave them my license back, which was kind of stupid, but was that, so that was the only thing I could do to All right. not take a punishment for something I didn't do. No, they so wouldn't then, have given you punishment, uh, because if, you, uh, if it can't be proved, you're not gonna, they're not going to yank your license. And to yank licenses... Uh, you basically have to kill little kittens. It is yeah, so. What? 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 You know, they didn't. The board didn't even talk to me. They didn't hear my side of it. So they gave me um, three years of probation, and I gave them my license. I said, "Don't want right. that." Yeah, what a mess! And okay. then I went down to see uh, it, to one of your meetings. I met a lawyer by the name of Michael Kushner. Oh yeah, of course. He, yeah, he asked me to go back and get my license, and I got my license back uh, last uh, year. And um, but my problem is that they took the the uh, the uh, original um, 
complaints, false accusations, left it on my record, and sent that to a registry, your national all right. registry. Okay, so you've got all kinds of issues going on that you have to fight. Uh, do you have the union representing you, Marianne? Well, I tried to get the, through my uh, California Nurses Association, and they they, they said it couldn't help me with that. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that you pay your dues, and they don't help you. Uh, the only way yeah. out is now. Uh, you have to start filing lawsuits, and you have to go at it legally. And uh, can, I, can you what? Is there, is there any lawyers that works on commission? Because no, not in this case. No, not in this case. Because what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. I don't know if you're going to get monetary damages. What you'll probably get is your record cleared. That's what I want. I know. And you're going to uh, probably get reinstated with back pay. So where does the lawyer make money on this? Yeah, I know. I If I but if I don't have the money, what do I do? That's a problem. I just have to drop everything. Yeah, that's a problem. You uh, Now, there are some pro bono organizations, and you get to do some research and start looking for organizations that help uh, folks in your position, and that's all research. Uh, if you were old and poor, that would help. If you were old and poor and a minority, that would help even more. If you were old and poor, a minority in a wheelchair with a hunchback, that would really help. So now it's a question of just uh, looking for for help. And I don't have, uh, you know, at, at hand, I don't have that. All right, Mary, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Mary, you there? Oh, Yes. Thank you. I have a trust with seven beneficiaries. My question is, when I die, is it required legally to send all the beneficiaries the entire trust, which will tell others uh, how much they No, no, it's not required for them to actually see the trust. However, if there is any one of them that said, I'm getting screwed out of money, uh, then you can do a contest and they hire a lawyer and then the trust will have to be seen. Uh, so of the seven beneficiaries, do they all get about the same amount of money? No. Oh, what do you care if uh, they see it? Because obviously, uh, if you're giving one more money than the other, you clearly like one more than the other. What do you care? You're dead at that point, Mary. Well, I know, but but uh, I just don't uh, want them to... to uh... To uh, sue. They're not going to sue. No one's going to sue. Well, because uh, three of them are my cousins. All right, but it doesn't matter. No one's going to sue. You leave the money to who you want to leave the money. You can explain it or not explain it and just say, here's where I leave the money. And See, I would show everybody the trust uh, or I'd have your your trustee show everybody the trust to to say, hey, here is what Mary left. And, uh, hey, you get... 10,000, you get 30,000, and what is someone going to say? Well, Mary should have left me 15,000 instead of 10,000. I mean, well, they, they, she said that to me over the phone. She said, I know, but let her fight. Doesn't matter. Then, then you tell her I'm cutting you out of the trust completely. Well, that's the way I feel. Then that's right? what you do. You rewrite the trust, and you literally have the language, and because. Let's say Catherine, that's her name, or I'll make this up. Right. And because Catherine is such a pain in the ass that I am now uh, making sure she no longer is a beneficiary. That Mary, it's your money. You can do whatever you want. Well, that's what I think. Damn right, Mary. Although I would do it very quickly because, Mary, you sound like you're very close to death right now. <laughs> well, I only have one vocal 
card because of surgery. Oh, uh, that's okay. That's that's, that's why I have a terrible. Voice. Yeah. Okay. No, I can see that. All right, that's fair. Uh, so, how old are you, Mary? Eighty-eight. See, I'm there gonna, you go. So I'm not going to be kicking very much long. Yeah, I can hear that. So <laughs> you're uh, you're about to die, and you have one vocal cord. Right. Excellent. All right. <laughs> but it's your money, Mary. You can do whatever you want. Here is a, a quick story. Uh, Henry Fonda, when he died, and he had several kids, and uh, he uh, disinherited. Uh, my God, what's uh, his daughter's name was an actress, Jane Fonda. He disinherited Jane Fonda. Uh, and in the will, he said, and the reason I'm not leaving Jane any money is because she has done so well as an actress uh, that it would be unfair to the other kids. So I'm leaving all the money to the kids because Jane has her own money and I love her. And it was just one of those that was left. And it was in a will, by the way. And uh, it was explained, and everybody understood, and it was felt great, and Jane wasn't going to go back and sue. So you can give reasons for doing that. And uh, it's, you know, for example, in my trust that I have for my kids, uh, we have an ironclad rule. Uh, if you get a tattoo, you get no money. That's it. It's that simple. Tattoo equals no money. And... Uh, my daughter, particularly uh, my daughter Barbara, she's the one that wants a tattoo or always did. She goes, Dad, it's so unfair. That's correct. It is completely unfair. But it makes no sense. Couldn't agree with you more. In the meantime, I suggest you don't get a tattoo. And I said, the only person that wants you to get a tattoo more than you do is your sister. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning, and uh, right until 11 o'clock, and as usual, it's the top of the hour, so we do have lines open. Last week, we had no lines open throughout the entire show, because we were just jammed with phone calls. Well, today, it's uh, a little looser, so we do have uh, lines open, top of the hour, and so just pick up the phone, or not, call 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. If you happen to be in a car and you don't have hands-free, uh, feel free to pick up the phone and uh, just put it to your ear and dial and talk to me. And when a cop stops you for uh, driving with a phone next to your ear, just say, I was listening to Handle, and he said, it's okay. Okay? That's all you have to do. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Okay, uh, out of San Diego, and there's not a lawsuit yet, but there will be. Right now, it's a lobbying if, uh, effort against San Diego. Uh, strippers and strip club owners are lobbying San Diego officials to lower their annual permit fees, which they say are higher than other cities and not justified by how many hours police typically spend monitoring the clubs because that's the basis of uh, the fees that were jacked up. 
Uh, effectively, here's the argument that uh, the city has. We need many more police to monitor the clubs because, well, you know, guys go into strip clubs uh, and uh, they they drink and uh, they get a little rowdy, and which is interesting because guys in strip clubs do not get as rowdy as guys in uh, country western bars, for example. But so the cops say or the city says, okay, we need X dollars more and because of the extra policing. Well, uh, the strippers and the club owners are saying, wrong, wrong, because right now uh, the fees are scheduled to rise to $338 for a stripper and $5,800 for a club operator. And what it actually does is go the other way. It encourages women to go to unregulated areas, websites, where they're more vulnerable to prostitution and human trafficking. And dwindling business in the clubs actually costs the city more because of the loss of sales tax and other annual revenues. And the cops say that the fees are justified because of the personnel they devote to processing, responding to uh, incidents, and proactively monitoring. The lawsuit is going to be whether or not the fees are justified based on why they said they're justified and whether it's simply an attempt to stop a perfectly legal business because of a moral basis, based on uh, some moral idea. But here's the problem, and probably why they're lobbying and not filing the lawsuit, is that cities have wide, wide latitude to tax and regulate. And the courts are very leery to get involved and overturn uh, a city ordinance. It has to be pretty out there, arbitrary and capricious. And while the court may disagree that the fees are justified, there's enough rationale there for the courts to leave it alone. So I think they're going to lose. Now, one thing about strippers, and this is what I would argue if I'm the city, uh, strippers don't have to worry about costumes. That's going to save them money. Okay. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Hello, Ed. Ed, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Hey, so um, I had a relative recently pass away. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, the relative had a living trust. The And I don't know the proper term, but the trust has transferred over to different people. My question is... Well, wait, I mean, the trust... Um, well, I mean, transfer different people as in the trust has been distributed. Well, the funds are still there. The trust... Uh, again, I don't know the, the terms. But my question is, the, um, the person that deceased, there's bills from the hospitals and other things, um, is... Are we still responsible for yeah, the tr- no, the trust is responsible. Okay. The first thing the trust has to do, even if it doesn't say pay the medical bills, even if it says don't pay the medical bills, medical bills have to be paid. Let All me, right. Yeah. Okay. There, the, the rules of uh, wills and trusts are the same, and that is the first thing that has to be paid are burial expenses. The next yeah. thing that has to be paid are taxes. The next thing that has to be paid are creditors. 
and whatever that we're talking about the person that made the trust, the trustor. After that, the money is distributed. Got it. Okay. okay. Yeah. So you're Good probably yeah you're probably going to get absolutely no money. So not only do you have absolutely no case, there's absolutely no money. All right, Norm. Hello, Norm. Hello. Yes. Yes. A couple of years ago, I applied for unemployment insurance in California. Of course, I was denied. I uh, filled out the form for the appeal, sent it certified mail. I get back a letter a few weeks later saying that my appeal was denied because I was too late. Wait a second. You, but you have the proof. That's what certified yes. mail is all about. You have the proof that was sent on time. Yes. And what are they saying? Well, uh, of course, I couldn't get a hold of the appeals office, so I took my stuff down to the local office here in Cucamonga, which really had nothing to do other than, you know, the guy told me. He said that what they do is that somebody goes and picks up the mail, and then they let it sit in a storeroom for a while. But that's not your problem. You have the proof when it was delivered. It yes. doesn't matter. It could sit there for a year and a half. What happens internally, that's not your problem. Well, yes. And as it turns out, I did win. I, I appealed that, and I did have to go to a hearing. All right, so you and, won. So what's your question? Yes. Okay, the question is, now, if that's standard operating procedure for them, can there be a class action suit no. filed against them? No. No. No class action suits. I love class action suits. No. First of no. all, you have no damages. Well, right. You've been paid. But what about the people that didn't send their paperwork certified mail and were denied because it was too late? How many people you know that's happened to? Well, actually, I don't know. Well, there you go. So why don't we, here we go. You're filing a class action lawsuit, which will never get certified, on behalf of people that I have no idea how many there are, and there may be none. But, Your Honor, I still want. I didn't say I was going to file the suit. Well, no one else. Who else is going to file the suit? Maybe somebody who was denied. Yeah, um, okay, great. Maybe there is. So well, that was my question. Oh, uh, okay. All right, yeah. Okay, good for you. Uh, there's a lawsuit filed by nobody. Is that, uh, how about this, Bill? I want to file a sort of, look for someone who isn't there to file a class action lawsuit, which will never get certified, will never go anyplace. Terrific. This is Handle on the Law. here on a Saturday morning. Uh, let's do it. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Hello, Pat. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Bill, uh, about 34 years ago, my mother-in-law gave my wife and I a piece of property. No one in the family wanted it. And a few years later, she dies. And so we pay the taxes, live there. And then 10 years ago, my wife dies of cancer. And they just recently sold it and booted me out. Oh, wait, wait. Who recently sold it? The family uh, did. Family. But, the- okay, when your when uh, her mom handed you and your wife the piece of property, did title change? No, it did not. So Nothing they didn't. Was- okay, so they didn't hand you a piece of property. They no. let they let you live in their piece of property. Correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So- 
my question is, though, she died, you know, 10 years ago. Now they're getting ready to settle it. Am I entitled to her inheritance? Uh, no. Uh, well, you would be if she were to inherit, you would be entitled, I think, as a surviving spouse. Unless it's simply left to her as an individual, then the answer is no. Bottom line, probably not. So let me get this right. Piece of property that uh, was that you you and your wife were left to live in. Here, go live in this. Right. You never owned. So it was owned still by mother-in-law. Mother, yes. Okay, when mother-in-law that. died, and it was in her name, right? Right. Okay, right. mother-in-law dies, where does the property go then? It just stayed. It just it stayed. It stayed in the. It stayed in the dead woman's estate. Right. Okay. In so, her in her name. So, a dead person owned the property for twenty, twenty-five years, right? Yes. Okay. So, upon her death, the property then goes to her heirs, and it could be that your wife was entitled to it if there was no will. There was no. There was a will, but it was never signed. So there was basically no will. Right. There is no will, and if it was in her name. I have no idea how uh, anybody was able to sell that property without opening up a probate and getting they, the property they transferred. Opened, they did. They opened the probate. All right, so piece of property and put the other sold the other one. Wait a minute. The, you said they did open a pre- probate, so 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 title did transfer. Yes, it transferred to the to the probate to the estate of. No, no, and, it's automatically owned by the estate of, and okay. was it so? Was there a will, an intestate will? In other words, did someone open up a probate? Yes. Okay. Her brother. Her brother opened. This is your wife's brother. Your your brother-in-law opened up the probate. Right. And sold the property. Yes. Yeah, you get nothing. Nice talking to you. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Charlie. Good morning. Yeah, I only do this because I'm caught in the same position. Go ahead. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm Fantastic. What can I do for you? I uh, just bought a car for my daughter. Yeah, I've been, to, I've been there. Wanted to know the best way to put it on the title in case she gets in an accident. She's going to be living out of state. Put it in her name. Just put it in her name. Have Wait, nothing to do with it. Nothing. And buy her insurance. So don't keep her under the same insurance then? No, you, do, you can have the same insurance company, but not the same policy. Okay. That's my daughter. I mean, that's the first thing my insurance agent said is get her off of anything you own. You don't own the car. You don't own the insurance policy. And it was the best advice I have ever gotten because my daughter got her driver's license at the age of 17. All right. How many accidents do you think she got into in her first 18 months of driving? Probably one or two. Six. That's why. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the advice. That's exactly the advice. And uh, I'll tell you why, because as a registered owner, uh, which, incidentally, it makes sense to be a registered owner. I wanted to stay as an owner of the car, and so I could dangle the keys. If I had a problem with her, i just say, give me the keys. It's my car. Well, no, it's my car. I go, you tell that to the cop when I, tur- when I call him up and say, you stole the car. And you're handcuffed. Give me the keys. Well, my insurance agent said that's the last thing you want to do is 
is not have her name on that car and your name off it. So what did I do? She now owns the car. And, uh, I, of course, I pay for the insurance policy. It's in her name. And so how do I control her? How do I control her on the same level I would as give me the keys? The credit card. The credit card. Dad, can I borrow the credit card? When's the last time you had an accident? Well, it's been a few years. Okay. There you go. All right. This is Handle on the Law. So And uh, good morning to you, and uh, welcome back to the show. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Andre! Hello, Andre. Hello. Yes, what can I do for you? Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank um, you. Of course. I am um, calling about a wrongful inter- uh, termination. Okay. Okay, okay. I um, was working there all these other people, um, I'm not my persuasion. All right, what what persuasion are you? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm black. Oh, you're African-American. Okay. I always ask that question because if I make the assumption, uh, then immediately I'm nailed. Because it turns out, you know, hey, you're black, aren't you? Well, no, I'm an 83-year-old Word. Jewish guy. Uh, <laughs> so I always, uh, always ask. Okay, so you're African-American, you're a black guy, yeah. and you're working at a restaurant. Now what? Yeah. And you're wrongfully well, terminated. You get fired. Right, 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 right. Okay. Okay, so um, I go to a lawyer, okay? And, you know, so they take the case. And uh, what is this? I maybe it was, uh, now they're offering me an amount. All right. And your question is? Um, I don't like the amount. Okay. Uh, can I ask? Oh, uh Forty, where I'll get like seventeen or something. Okay, they're offering forty thousand dollars. Yeah, and you're getting seventeen. How, how does that work? Well, um, with the uh, lawyer, there's a percentage that the lawyer. Gets. No, I understand, but it shouldn't be more than a third. Uh, so that's what? seventeen on the other side. I mean, if yeah. you end up with a third and the lawyer gets two third, that is horribly wrong. Okay, that's for starters. So you want to question that. The other okay. that you want to uh, question is, uh, if you're not happy with the $40,000 offer, is, is this a settlement? Yeah, this is okay. a settlement, yeah. So, and, and it's, it's kind of fast. Uh, okay, so you can tell the lawyer, no, I want more money. You know, you know, and but this, she, she acting like a public pretender. Well, uh, yeah, so if she doesn't care, you say, fine, you want to do it, I'll get another lawyer in here. And just say, I have no problem. I want more than $40,000. So a couple things happen. Either she goes back and fights and says, the best we can do is $40,000, and you believe it. Or she gets more more money for you, which if they settle this quickly, when you say they settle fast, what does that mean? Uh, Am I allowed? I mean, uh, okay, I'll I'll just give it um, uh, uh, less than a year. Less than a year. That is not real quick. 
Okay, it's not clear. No, no. If you're talking about a year's worth of negotiating after a, a claim is made, no. That is not we, quick. We haven't even did the delegation yet. Doesn't even matter. Mediation. Doesn't even matter. As soon as, they, as soon as, hi, we're suing you or, hi, we're making a claim, that's when the clock starts ticking in terms of the reasonable amount of time to settle. We're not talking okay. about any legal amount. Reasonable amount of time. Have you had a conversation with your lawyer about the $40,000 being not nearly enough? <laughs> kind of yesterday, yeah. Okay, and what did the lawyer say? Kind of got frustrated. Well, good. Say so you're frustrated. Hey, you're yeah. frustrated. I'm frustrated. You know, I don't think yeah. $40,000 is valid. Why do you think $40,000 is valid? Yeah. And then she yeah. comes back and starts arguing why. Well, because in these kinds of cases, Andre, uh, this is... A lot of proof. And yeah, not so much yeah. proof. Just say, I've done some research, and here is what these cases are worth, and then you either believe it or you don't. I know. No. So uh, the only thing that I... See, there's too much in the air, uh, mm-hmm. because I don't know enough about the circumstance, the chain, uh, who you work for, patterns, right. have they been sued before, right. that sort of thing. Uh, now the, the only thing I do question is out of $40,000, you're looking at 17,000, something's wrong with that. So you want to redo the math there. That's a good question. You know, what I was going to say is, uh, you say you've been discriminated against. I was going to bounce you and say, everybody says they've been discriminated against. You know, that's the first thing you go to. And, uh, incidentally, anybody, uh, especially in the state of California, uh, is you can discriminate against someone. Unless you're discriminating on a minority, Andre's a minority, but let's say there was there's two other uh, blacks working at the restaurant. How are you going to argue I got fired because I was black? How about this? They say, we don't like you, Andre. We don't like your attitude. That's enough. Done. You're fired. And there's no recourse. So uh, it had to be fairly egregious uh, for Andre to be offered $40,000. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the facts, but uh, obviously there is, uh, there was a case there, truly. All right, Susan. Hello, Susan. Uh, I, my question is, uh, what is this rent control? We buy a place, they said the renters cannot be moved. Can uh, you please explain? Yeah, the renters cannot be moved. I've just explained it. Rent control says you can only throw renters out for X number of reasons. And other than that, they're in there. And even better than that, they're paying the amount they're paying now uh, and whatever percentage increase is allowed by the rent control board. Are you backing up in a car right now? I don't understand. Okay, what don't you understand? The fact that you're backing up in a car or how rent control works? How rent control works. All right, let me go through it one more time. Rent control is a law that says you cannot increase the rent more than what they allow you to increase the rent. For example, 3% a year. It's usually based on inflation. Also, certain rent control says you cannot throw anybody out of a place that they're living, except for certain reasons. And my experience is with Los Angeles, the Rent Stabilization Board. That's their rent control. In L.A., you can't throw out someone that's under rent control unless you are moving in. That is, you or a member of your family, then you can evict them or you're going to remodel the entire place and you throw them out. Otherwise, you're not throwing them out. Is this a house you're buying that's under rent control? 
No, it was like a duplex. Yeah, and um, I, I have no idea if it's covered by rent control. But that, do you understand? And it is, if they tell you it is, well, what you can do is to find out whether it is or not, is you call the Rent Stabilization Board, which is city of, city of what, what city are you in? Santa Monica. The, oh, that's even worse. Oh, my God. Santa Monica is the worst place in the United States to uh, to. Uh, to have a rent control ordinance for you to buy property. Have you already bought it? No. Uh, you have to, we going to move in. Yeah, uh, you have to be very careful because, let me tell you, they call Santa Monica the People's Republic of Santa Monica. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, Dahlia. Hello, Dahlia. Welcome. Yes, ma'am. Hi, I have a question. Um, Let me take you off speaker first. That would be a good idea because I was about to hang up on you. Yes. All right. Um, This I'm not sure if there's a a stipulation or a limit uh, as far as to collect a judgment I was awarded. I had purchased a property. This was probably. Hold on. You know what? We don't have to go that far. Do you have a judgment against someone? Yes. Okay, right there, you've got a judgment. There's nothing that says you can't collect the entire amount. Uh, How long ago was the judgment given to you? About six years ago. You're still fine. You have 10 years to try to collect the judgment. Your issue is simply getting the money. Yes. And uh, so do you have a question about how to get the money? Exactly. Collection agency. How How much is owed to you under the judgment? I believe it's sixty seven hundred. Wow, yeah, tra- chasing it down. Do you, does the person work? Yes. Okay, you can you um, can you can file and, and gets wages, correct? Uh, they're self employed. Then no, that's not going to help you. Uh, and I'm pay- sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, go the ahead. Other thing, the other thing is that he's possibly moved to his native home, which is Argentina. You're done. The only. Really? Of course. Where are you going to go? Are you going to chase down $6,500 in Argentina? Well, I have his... That's... Um, I'm not sure. I, last place I knew he lived was in Illinois. You better find and, out. And even Illinois is difficult. I think you're going to have to write this off, my dear. Really? Yeah. Because that was like just uh, like pennies. Because I was suing him yeah. for a hundred thousand. And how did you did you end up? So the so the judge gave you sixty seven hundred dollars. Yes. Wow. And I had I presented him with a notarized that, contract that we had both signed because he took a hundred thousand out of. I don't know. Uh, so equity. why did the judge? Why did the judge only give you sixty seven hundred dollars? I don't know. Yeah, it's a I bizarre story. But anyway, chasing down the money, uh, you're going to have to find him and find yeah. assets. And if he's moved to Argentina, you're done. Even going to Illinois is difficult. That's why I'm saying you probably have to write it off. And it, here is the bottom line, is you've already lost $93,000. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what I would do, and this isn't a legal answer, is, you know, go back to why I gave him $100,000. And not secured, I'm assuming. Okay. Uh, let me tell you about links being sent uh, via Facebook Messenger. Uh, they may contain the FaceX worm malware. So you click on the link, you'll be taken to a fake YouTube page, 
which then tries to get you to install a browser extension. And that point, your passwords are at risk. All of your information. So many threats today in, in today's connected world. And it just takes one weak link from the criminals to get in. Man, I believe you need protection. I certainly do. And I've been a customer of LifeLock for about 10 years now. And the new LifeLock identity theft protection adds the power of Norton security. So not only do you get threats, uh, do you get protection against threats to your identity with LifeLock, but your devices with Norton security. And if you have a problem, they have agents who will work to fix it. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity threat or theft or monitor every transaction, every business. But with a new LifeLock with Norton security, boy, that is security. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off the first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the law. KFI, HANDLE here. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, hi, Danny. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Um, I have a question. My uh, friend recently got terminated uh, from a produce company for failing a drug test. I was positive for marijuana. And I guess he assumed that, you know, it would be okay for him to smoke considering they just legalized it here in California. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so why don't you ask him, uh, isn't uh, alcohol legal? What if you show up drunk? Yeah. Well, you can't show up drunk. Right. But, but, but the question is, it's legal. And, uh, well, you're right. That's a bad analogy. That's a good point. Because if you use it at home, uh, it's a different issue. Well, let me let me go into another direction. Well, the, the, the reason why they're saying is because he's a driver. That's the problem. That's why he failed. That's why they, he got terminated because he had a driving position. Yeah, and, and I can see that, and that's and that's rational. By the way, they can do that. First of all, uh, here in California, and in many other states, people can be fired for no reason at all, none. So, uh, for them to even give a reason, they don't have to. And for them to say, hey, you're a driver, and uh, dump that, uh, a little bit of um, vernacular there, which he didn't do on purpose. You know, just one of those uh, uh, crap, right? All right. Uh, Hello, Bob. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, I had a bank account with Bank C for approximately 10 years. I got a check from a customer of mine and deposited in his branch, which is the same bank, at the ATM after hours. I could not withdraw any funds. They emailed me or text messaged me that there was a fraud on it. And was there? The customer gave me a replacement check. I went into his branch again uh, on a Wednesday. That was on a Friday when I made the deposit. When in Wednesday, he called me, said, you know, I have a replacement check. Come to find out the printer had put an extra number down on the bottom numbers. I went to cash it, and they had canceled my account and mm-hmm. put a fraud alert on my name. Okay. I had to go open another account yeah. with another brand, you know, another bank, uh, Bank W, and now... The fraud alert is still on my name, All even right. though I you, was the you, victim. Got it. You have to go to the first bank and go to management and say, hey, this is what happened. You've got to undo I this. Did. 
and they won't do it. And they won't and do they it. Call corporate. They call corporate. Corporate said it's irrevocable. You have no. You can it's no time. longer open an account with us. Well, that's their call that you can no longer open. So this is just within that's the. Fine. That's the within the bank. Is, You're talking about within the bank, right? Within that particular bank C. Yes. Okay, but, but now Bank W, I have to go in and personally make every deposit inside. Oh, well, you have to talk to the manager of the bank you're now with and explain the situation. And if that bank uh, keeps on forcing you to go in personally, then you go to another bank and you talk to the manager and say, this is what's going on. Okay. Yeah, you just bounce around banks. I mean, I've just had a a horrible situation at, and I won't mention bank names because I I shouldn't, Bank Bank of America. I just had the worst... (laughs) experience i've ever had to the point where i don't know how they do business it's that bad that's the problem i, I mean all these banks are terrible i know well, i don't want to go to another I don't get bank it. i mean i was considering wells fargo to open up one account and then get a letter from them saying thank you for the 14 accounts and we hope you enjoy the auto insurance you also bought yes so uh, i won't get, get near wells fargo and uh i won't get near bank of america now, I happen to bank at uh, a, a smaller branch, a bank, uh, which uh, I'll give you their name, too, Bank of the West. Uh, and they okay. treat me very well. So what you get I just to have to go to a bank that's around my property. I happen to live up in the high desert. So there's very. So you have to banks. go to. The, so you have to go to the manager and go, come on, guys. I was the victim here. What are you doing? OK, that's all you can do. I mean, in the um, end, uh, can you file a lawsuit no, probably not, because they have a right to say, we don't want you here. There's no right. there's no fundamental right to bank at a bank. It's a business. No, but to put a fraud alert on my name. And to put a fraud alert within their own system, yeah, what are you going to do? What? Who cares? Okay. Yeah, think about it. What are your damages? You're never going to bank well, there again anyway. No, I can't. <laughs> And would you but, want? Would, why would you want to? This is the Groucho Marx. Why would no, I, I don't. Why would I, I go don't. to a club that would never let me in? I don't want to bank with them again. Right. So but now I have to go in and personally make every that's deposit. That's the dip. That's where you want to talk to the manager and go, come on, really? That's, that's what when, I tried to talk to them, and they said no. Then you go to another. You then you go to another. Then you go to another bank. Then you just go to okay. another bank because you're not getting the Thank service you, you need. Uh, and you go in when you open the account. Uh, you go to a manager before you open the account and go. I'd like to talk to the manager, please. This is what's happened to me. Is there going to be a problem opening of this account? And uh, and if that bank manager says there's a problem, you go to another bank until you have a bank or a credit union that'll talk turkey with you. Matter of fact, uh, I you know there's a there's uh, a turkey association that has its own credit uh, its own uh, credit union. You know that? That's when you really sit down and talk turkey. I just made that up. This is Handle on the Law.
KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Coming up right after the show is Leo Laporte, the tech guy. That's from 11 to 2. Uh, he's on today and tomorrow. And then from 2 to 5 o'clock, it is uh, the one and only Neil Saavedra. How many times did we go out to lunch this last week? Once. Only once. Usually we go out to lunch a couple of times. And uh, we, uh, we, had, we had Chinese food with Chinese waiters. And it was uh, very good. By the way, that's the question I asked. Do Chinese waiters make food at a Chinese restaurant taste better? I would argue yes. I would. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Okay, here is a terrific story out of Huntington Beach, a local beach community here in Southern California. And what uh, happened was uh, that the city sued him. Okay? What he did is he wrote a gun control initiative. And this was right after the Las Vegas massacre. And a few weeks later, he submitted the intent to circulate the petition to the city clerk's office. Now, by law, they have to accept it, of course. And to gauge interest, what he did is pay a mailing company... $1,300 to send 2,000 copies of his petition to registered voters. And it really simply said uh, we should have a law or it proposes a law requiring all semi-automatic and automatic guns and rifles to be turned over to the city of Huntington Beach Police Department, which, of course, is probably unconstitutional on its face. And uh, he needs about 12,000 signatures for the measure to appear on the ballot coming up in November. He collected around 600 out of 12,000. That's fine. But the city had to deal with it. I mean, there's no way around it. So, of course, that died very quickly. And what uh, he hoped to see after coming vacation is a mailbox full of these petitions, right, signatures. He didn't get that. He actually found 50 responses and then a few messages like, eat poo, snowflake. There were a lot of those. So here's what the city did. They sued him, saying that the initiative that he filed was unlawfully wasteful and expended tax do- taxpayer dollars to verify the signature or the signatures, which they have to do. Once a petition is submitted, Then the city or the county or the state, depending on whether it's a ballot initiative or city initiative, that has to be verified. And it's up to the governmental entity to verify it, be it state, be it the county. And they obviously spend money. So they're suing him saying uh, you've submitted a petition that or submitted a ballot measure that's unconstitutional on its face. Therefore, what we had to do. We're entitled to get our money back. Because we, the law says we have to verify. Well, that's the problem they're going to have. The law says they have to verify. And they don't know whether it's unconstitutional or not. It's a court that makes that determination. So they're not going to win. He is going to prevail in that lawsuit. Didn't get very far in uh, the petition, incidentally. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hey, Eugene, you're up. Welcome. Hey, yes. How are you doing? Go ahead. Eugene, 
here's how it works. Can you hear me? You, yeah, you asked me. Hear me? A, yes, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. All right, go ahead. Okay, so the difference between personal injury, workers' comp, and forget the wrongful termination, but there was an accident from behind uh, in a company vehicle. And the question is, is how does the difference between the soft tissue damage from the personal injury and the workers' compensation work if the company's sending you to their loyal, uh, you know, care facility? Yes. Okay. Patricia, welcome. You're up. Hi. Um, I am going through a divorce, and I happen to marry a jerk that has never worked, and he got an inheritance, so I know that's out. But do you think there's anything else I could do to get some kind of support from him? Well, how how long have you been married, Patricia? Uh, seven years. And uh, have you, has he supported you for seven years? No, he has not supported me at all. He worked about a year. That's a problem. That is a problem. Yeah. He, he'll never work again. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a problem. Uh, now, you can argue. Well, I didn't know how you can argue because that's his money. It's not earned uh, income. Uh, now, nah, from what I understand, uh, that's it's not going to happen. He happens to not work, has never worked. You've supported him. Uh, you want to hear something really wonderful? He has a case against you for support. I know. That's what I've been told. Yeah. So uh, you, you did marry the wrong guy, unfortunately. How big an inheritance right. did you get? How much? How much? How big of an inheritance did he get? Well, he got fifty thousand, but he only gets four thousand every six months. So how do you live on that if he'll never work again? How, what? How do you live on eight thousand dollars a year? Because he lives with his sister and she buys everything. Well, okay. I mean, that's uh, yeah, yeah. You married the wrong guy. That's it. I sure did. Yeah, you Thank sure you. did. Goodbye. No case. God, I love that. Is that Amex? Amox? How do you pronounce that? It's Amax. Amax is like, uh, close. It's my, rock, it's my rock and roll name. Of course it is, Amax. Already this call is going to go south. All right. What can I do for you? <laughs> well, I bought a new car. I got a lease, swindled into a lease, but they told me it's the close-in lease, so my mileage isn't going to matter if I want to buy the car after three years. Anyways, I uh, had it for about uh, a little less than a month or so already and then i get some in the mail from the bank that says they want to change the terms of the lease and i think it's to do with the buyback price yeah well just uh, it's an easy one you say no we have a lease we have I a signed do. contract what now what do you want to do about it you want to change your contract in the middle of the contract no thank you that's what i'm doing i'm heading in right now to, to go see him and uh you know i'm just like they can't do that right right yeah say no so, thank you okay yeah they they have a uh, – all it says throughout the whole lease is if I change my mind, sorry, Charlie. Right. No, I understand you know? that. No, you're fine. I mean, they can't do that in the middle of a lease unless the lease says we have the right to uh, change the terms anytime we want. I don't think so. Charlie. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. You're up. Okay. My question is uh, I have a buddy who I grew up with, and he got uh, into some uh, debts from some bad uh, gambling debts from his bookie. And uh, before the goons uh, came out to uh, get him, he groveled to his sisters. They lent him the money to pay his debts off, and uh, their dad passed away. So my question is, um, are the two sisters um, illegally bound uh, to get their money from the sale of the house? Well, wait, wait, wait. I, I don't get it. Are they legally bound to get the money from the sale of the house? I mean, they're entitled to it, but I don't understand how that connects 
with uh, the uh, the brother who borrowed money from them. I don't understand the connection there. Well, I was just wondering because he is in debt to his two sisters. Yeah, no, I understand that. So uh, he owes them the money. What does that have to do with the, the house? I have no idea how they connect. I- yeah, that was, that was one of my questions. If they are, can they legally get the money that he owes them from the sale of the house? Only no. They have, they have to sue him for it. That's that's what Yeah, it has nothing to do. No, they can't do it out of escrow. They can't do it from the sale of the house. They have to get a judgment against him. They have to sue him for it. How much money are we talking about? Oh, I'd say probably um, probably thirty thirty thousand dollars. They should have let him get beaten up by the goons. <laughs> That's not too hard. It really isn't. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Ted, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, I have a question about a homeowners association. I moved into my home six weeks ago. It's controlled by a homeowners association. We have a standard fence that runs at the back of all the buildings, of all the the units. And I just got a memo from my board that I need to repair my back fence. I talked to my neighbor, and he said that over six months ago, he had turned in a complaint to the board that the back fence needed to be repaired. So now I'm getting the order. Mm Mm-hmm. To repair it. Yes. My question is, who's liable? The you. board for drop, dropping the ball? No, you the, are. The homeowner did not have to disclose to me that he... Yeah, I don't know. You know that there was a, how much is it going to cost to repair it? I'm going to have to probably pay about $1,800. Yeah, I mean, you can, tr- you, know, you can go ahead and try to sue the homeowner on that. And what what would what would my claim be that he eighteen hundred dollars? Yeah, that he uh, he didn't tell you about a repair, and uh, that in fact uh, it was there. He had been ordered to do it, and he just ignored it. On the other hand, what does your deed say? Does it say uh, the escrow? Is it as is? Are there, is it a uh, is it a war- is it a warranty deed? What kind of deed is it? Well, I don't know. I have to look it up in my file. Okay. I, I don't, uh, uh, is it a grant deed? Uh, so is it a quit claim deed? Uh, it, it's it well probably not if you bought it through escrow. But the point is, uh, it's uh, you know the argument is he should have disclosed, and the other argument is that you should have found out. Okay, so it's your homeowner- it's your job to do it's your job to do an inspection, not mine. He's going to say right, right. But the homeowners association has no call on this. No, I don't think so. No. All right. No, I think it's just you. Hello, David. You're up. Yes, Wel- hi. How are you? Yes, sir. Welcome to Handle on the Line. You don't even care. Go ahead. I do care. It's well, I don't care. I don't I care, care that you care. Still. I listen to you every day going to work. Great. I, I, you know, I don't care that you care. That's even better. All right. Uh, what can I do for you, David? Well, what happened about two years ago, I was leasing a house, and we had to move out because it was a uh, situation where there was a mold problem. So it was so bad, we had to move out of the house for 30 days because of the remediation process involved. According to my lease, it says um, if there's any damage in the house, we're entitled to abatement of the rent, which yes. is $100 a day. I paid $3,100 a month for rent. Um, I had two baby boys, five and four. At the time, they were um, three and two. The situation was I couldn't find anything comparable to um, move to, so I had to find uh, Oakwood for about $250 a day. Mm, I see. So I'd like, 
You'd like to know, you'd like to get the difference. And uh, I'd sue them for the difference. Say, even though uh, $100 a day, uh, that was what we we anticipated uh, that it could cost. And in fact, that wasn't available at all. Now, the argument, of course, is going to be, uh, gee, you agreed to $100 a day and you could have found out, you could have negotiated. And your argument is, who the hell negotiates that? Who the hell finds out beforehand how much it's going to cost to uh, rent a place? I'd go for the whole thing. Also, uh, yeah, I'd go for And also, don't forget, yeah, of course. And I'd also. code, I can tell the small claims. I don't know. I don't know the code. I don't know the code. You can look it up. That's not hard to look up. Also, uh, a portion of your, I'm sorry? How do you look it up? How do you look up the code? Yeah, you put up leases. You put up mold uh, remediation. Uh, You can just throw in all all the words you can think of. And something will also come up. And put in uh, statutes, put up uh, abatement statutes, put in, yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff to, to look it up. Uh, and the other thing is you're also, uh, you can pick up the amount of money that you spent on food, or at least a good part of it, because you had to eat out, right? No, no, Oakwood. So, no, uh, Oakwood is one of those places we where... You had your own kitchen. Right, you had your own kitchen. So, yeah, I agree. That's, uh, I would do we that. We had to put the dog into a, into a kennel. All right, that's damage. Food. That's damage. All of that is damage. Okay. And uh, for them to say, gee, you said $100, so there's two issues there. Number one, this is what you agreed to. Number two, this is what it actually costs, and no one could anticipate this. And as a matter of fact, I would go beyond that and said, you knew it was going to cost more. We didn't. That was the argument that I would make. Hi, Cindy. Bill. Yes. Hello? Yes. Yes, I have a question. My parents has given me and my three sisters each 10 acres of land, and they put it in the, in the daughter's names because one was going through a divorce. I want to give it to my husband for Christmas. How do I do that? All right. Um, hold on a minute. Uh, the property is not in your name or it is in your name? It is only in my name. Oh, then you just do a quick claim deed over to your husband. I just do a quick claim. Yeah, and, yeah. And All you do is, yeah, Cindy, you are uh, a married woman uh, yes. with um, uh, this piece of property, a sole and separate property, and you simply transfer it to your husband as his sole and separate property. You can do that. Perfect. So and why, wait, wait, property. why do you want to give it to him when he turns around and two minutes later he dumps you and has now uh, <laughs> 10 acres of property? Is it worth anything? Yeah, it is, but uh, we've been married 32 years. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I'm sure he's got a 22-year-old girlfriend out there someplace. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it, but it's a great Christmas gift, and he loves the property. All right. Mean a lot and what is, he, what is he going to do with it, Cindy? He wants to build stuff there to, like, just hang out All and right. have a so why cave. Do, so why don't you transfer it to both of you? Is that better legally, you think? Well, here, yeah, I think it's legally because you can allow them to build there. I mean, seriously, let's say it does fall apart. It's not like it hasn't fallen apart before. Why wouldn't you both own it? Okay. Everything everything okay. else you guys own together. So why would you give them a, a piece of property separate from you? Absolutely. Okay, so transfer to both our names. Right. Okay, you transfer it as, from you as a, as a married woman. Uh, as sole and separate property to both of you in joint tenancy. That way you can go, honey, I just put your name on it, and here you go. You own half the property, you own all the property, and it's all yours when I die. Okay. Lovely. I okay. never even thought of that. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, much better idea. Jeez, I want to give it to him. You know, what are the chances? Oh, can you imagine for me to give my wife? Uh, <laughs> please. Wouldn't, wouldn't do it at all. This is Handle on the Law. Your love is me. 
Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk to Handle on a Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hello, Bill. Bill, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. I have a family issue that I need legal advice on. Of course you do. I have two nephews that are squatting at my mother-in-law's house, and she is in very grave health, and we can't seem to get them out. They have... All right, that's an easy one. That doesn't matter. You can stop right there. You want them out? I'll tell you how to get them out. First of all, you have to get a conservatorship over your mother-in-law. Someone has to file. You have that? Yes. Then on behalf of your mother-in-law, as a conservator, you file them with an unlawful detainer action. You sue to get them out. Unlawful detainer. Is there a timeline on that? No. You can do it anytime you want. 30 days. You have to give them 30 days notice. But give them 30 days notice. Now, what happens? They have just gone in and stolen. A then that's a different. That, that's a different story. Then you have to copy of a will. Yeah. Well, it, wait a sec. They forged a will. They they forged they they forged a name on a will of my wife's, of her daughter's, my mother-in-law's daughter, and uh, mailed it to one of the sisters. To create even more havoc. But wait a second. Is, is, your, is the daughter willing to say that's not her signature? Oh, absolutely. But then that's not a problem. Then that's not a problem. That's that's an easy one. That's not a problem. Okay. So uh, all you do is, first of all, you sue them for anything they've stolen. And uh, then you uh, have the daughter sign a statement saying that this is a forgery. Okay. And uh, you can, and I, and I don't know quite how to do that, uh, the part of uh, dealing with that will as a forgery, how to invalidate just that portion of it. I would call a uh, trust and estate lawyer and uh, buy an hour or two of time to figure this out. How much money are we talking about here? Uh, it's probably over a million dollars. Oh, yeah, that's worth it. You think that's worth it to uh, hire a lawyer for a couple thousand bucks? I would. Now, these, these two nephews have... Um, Created a position for themselves as felons with grand larceny charges a while back. All right. So, is, would it be better to go through probation officer? Yeah, you can do that. But at the same time, what you do is you want them off of everything. You want them out of the house, and that okay. is an unlawful detainer. Go see a probate and estate lawyer. Uh, that's that's the easiest way of dealing with this at this point. Hello, Nancy. Hi. Hi, Handel. How are you? Yeah, go ahead. I'm fine and you don't care. Let's go on. Okay. Um, So uh, before I was married, I bought a house with my sister. And uh, after marriage, uh, my sister and I decided to refinance the house. So now uh, my name and my sister's name is on title of the house. Mm -hmm. uh, But my husband's name is on the loan of the house Mm -hmm. and my name's on the loan of the house as well. So now now my husband and I are going to get a divorce. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is this house still considered separate property? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, Nancy, it is yours. And the only thing your husband is, is a uh, he's a borrower and he owes money on a piece of property that isn't his. Okay. Now, what the court may do is say uh, that you have to take him off the loan. But that doesn't mean that the lender is going to have him off the loan. Oh, well, 
I don't mind getting him off the loan. No, but, I understand, uh, but do you guys, well, let me ask you this. Do you and your sister have enough credit that you can refi the house? Um, possibly, yeah. Okay, then that's the way you do it. You refi it in okay. your name, he goes off, and that's the way to make him free and clear. As to the liability, as to the ownership, it's yours and your sister's. It's that clean. Okay, that's great. So, yeah, why don't you um, wait a second? Why don't you let him still be responsible for the loan? Why would you be that nice to him? <laughs> I'm a nice person. You are. You're also dumb because uh, it's wonderful to have him owe the money on there because then you have him by the short hairs. Yeah. Yeah, I know. People don't do that. See, people are way too nice, in my opinion. Way, way, way too nice. Nick! Yes. Yes, sir. See, I'm an I am an authorized user on my dad's credit card, and he passed away a couple years ago, but I continued to use and pay on the credit card. The credit card company notified me, hey, we're closing the account. We found out your dad's dead. Sorry about that. The, uh, the collection agency contacted me and said, well, you don't have to pay this out of your personal assets. We just want to collect from his estate, but my dad has no estate. Then it's over. Do I not need Really? Yeah, it's over. They can't collect after you. You don't owe the money. Though, uh, doesn't matter if you're an authorized user. Doesn't matter as long as you don't owe the money. You're an authorized user. Oh, but I use the card. Every it, time. Well, that, then let them argue that. They have to take you to court. They would have to sue you in order to make that happen. Wow. How much money is owed on that credit card? Like sixty-five hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know if they'd go to court on that one because it's too wobbly. You go, hey. This is my dad's card. I'm an authorized user. They're going to say, but he died. They go, it doesn't matter. I thought there was money in the estate. They can go after the estate. Which there is not. Well, but that's that's incidental to that. Okay. All right, see that. Try that and see what happens. We'll see what the credit card company does. Collection people, of course, are going to ding you like crazy, but it's always the same thing. Always. Hey, Bobby. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. The question is, is there a such law for the landlord to not have the same type of business in the same complex? No. It has no. to be, no. There's no law that says that. There, you can, there's a lease you can sign that says there'll be no competing businesses in the same complex. Okay. Another question is, I have a business in the complex, and um, there is a, you know, a similar business in the same complex, and I've been asking the landlord to remove that business from the landlord and landlord has given me like a uh, promissory notice that whenever that business uh, lease is expired he will not renew the lease all right let's say that let's say that you know the lease expires and uh, the landlord goes on and you know renew the lease yes do i have a legal right yes. to go after the landlord yes at that point you do okay. because it has to okay. do with your business he has a right to uh, put to open as many businesses as he wants. They can all compete with each other. But if there is now a written agreement, he is in breach of that agreement if he uh, goes ahead and renews the lease for that other business. And you have been damaged by his breach. And therefore, now it's just a question of dollars and cents. How much damage do you have? How much would you do? It's And then you bring in the forensic guys. And uh, that gets to be, yeah, it's expensive, but I don't know what else you would do. That's what I would do, and then sue him for those damages, too. Because my guess is, against the landlord, is it just a note, or has it uh, been drafted by an attorney? He just gave me a written notice that whenever... For our okay, and he wrote it, and, the and he did it in writing, correct? Yes, 
yes. All the right. Lease is expiring on such and such date, and after that, we All right. will not so there's, the lease with them. Right. So there's no attorney's fees clause on that, I'm assuming. No. Okay. So uh, if he doesn't, you sue for damages. That's it. And it gets to be kind of a mess. What kind of business are you in, by the way? It's a retail. Yeah, what do you sell? It's a convenience store. I'm sorry? It's a convenience store. All right. And then there's another convenience store that opened up or is open uh, just down the hall, it right? Was, it was there prior to me. All right. Anyway. The other one was there already. Got it. Got it. Fair enough. It was prior to him. It was already there. And Okay. It's just, uh, uh, I have no idea how any of that works. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. And welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Jeff. Yes. Yes, sir. You're up. Welcome. Oh, okay. I just talked to somebody a minute ago. I know. You talked to the screener. Oh, okay. Uh I, it's about the power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I've have terminal cancer. Ooh, I should have taken. Your, go- I should have taken yeah, your call be- sooner. How how long do you have, Jeff? Yeah. Oh, just about two months. But I'll be going to the hospital again. Hmm. Uh, I don't want the chemotherapy, so I'll be uh, die. But mm-hmm. I wanted to know if my wife has the power needs the power of attorney, to, so that she could uh, not have them not put me on life support. That's called a medical directive. Right. You simply go in the hospital and you sign a medical directive giving your wife the ability to make that choice, Jeff. Okay, I could do that in the hospital. Absolutely in the hospital. When you walk in the hospital, you say, I want a medical directive. I want a no heroic measures directive giving my wife uh, the the choice as to whether to pull the plug in no heroic measures. Okay. That sounds wonderful. I really what kind of cancer, uh, Jeff? What kind of cancer do you have? Well, I had a brain tumor, mm. and they re- and they removed it, and it's growing back. Oh, I'm sorry. So, how well, old how how old are you, Jeff? I'm 80, oh. so I'm not really that upset. I'm yeah, I mean, it's still a drag. I mean, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, it, it can't be any fun. Uh, you know, spending the last couple of your month, uh, your uh, two months of your life, uh, but. Oh, all right. You know what? It's uh, and I, I don't want to be cold and callous here, but no. if, if you've got to go at cancer, better off at eighty than at forty. Right. All right. You know, I said I don't feel too bad about it because I live a pretty good, long all life, right. and so uh, you know I'm consider I'm uh, consolidated by. Yeah. You know what? So, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You sound pretty cool about it. I have to tell you. You're. Uh, uh, I uh, I admire the way you're handling this. Uh, All right. I appreciate your All thoughts. Right. Take thank care. Thank you very much for your help. My pleasure. Oh. You know, there's not even anything I can make fun of him on that one. Nothing. All I can do is say, wow, what a neat guy. How often does that happen? I got to scream at the uh, screener. Brent, I don't, I don't want any more neat guys, okay? I want to be able to humiliate people. None of this, uh, gee, I'm dying. And you go, wow, are you handling it well, calls? Not interested. I want, I'm dying and I don't want to die. You wuss. No, who can I sue? Nobody. You're a pansy about this. That's what I kind of call I'd actually like. Uh, Zida, Zida, hello. Zida, hi. I have a wrongful termination um, question yes. or issue. Okay. Um, I um, got a verbal warning for punctuality and I was had to clock in for um 
five months, and um, there was never an issue. And then my um, direct supervisor, she um, wrote, me up, wrote me up for a ver- uh, working from home, which was a written warning. And then when it came to my review, um, they told me I was incompetent in all areas of my areas of my position, but I was rated as an administrative assistant instead of a data coordinator. And um, is that a case for harassment and wrongful termination? No, no, no. They can fire you for whatever reason you want. The only reason, or they want, the only reason they can't fire you for effectively is race, religion, creed, that sort of thing. If they think you're incompetent, uh, Zita, if they think you're incompetent, you're gone, even if you're competent. Doesn't, Even if it's a different position. Yeah, different it doesn't time. matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Now, the second part of this question is on my unemployment, instead of saying I was terminated because she, the HR person used the word separated, I said I was laid off slash lack of work, and they've penalized me for um, unemployment insurance. Do I have a case there? Well, against whom? The unemployment insurance. Well, you can say it's a mistake. Well, you weren't laid off. You weren't laid off. You were you were fired, but you still get unemployment. The only thing they can say is firing for cause, and I don't think that's cause. And, uh, yeah, you can ask that it be changed. And how much did they penalize you? Did they deny it? No, not totally. Just five weeks out of 26 weeks. Yeah, I don't know how that works then. I have no idea. Okay, None. but it doesn't cost me anything to appeal to the board. No, absolutely not. Not a dime. And I, 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 would, I would absolutely appeal that one. Eddie! Yes. Yes. Um, hi. Uh, I uh, purchased a property a few months ago, and uh, after that, that's what I do. I we went through remodeling, trying to uh, sell the property, and uh, all of a sudden, we got a lawsuit from someone uh, claiming to be the seller of the pro- I mean, the, the owner of the property, and they said that uh, someone used their name, forged their uh, grand deed and uh, sold the property without their knowing. Uh, apparently, a person went and, 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 and uh, did a forged deed. We went through escrow, title, we had the title insurance. Oh, okay, if you fine. had title insurance, fine. Just turn it over to the title insurance company. My, my, proper, my problem is uh, they are only paying for what we paid for the property, and we put in another about forty, fifty thousand. All right, then you sue them for that. Then that's fine. And then you go, okay. Then I'm going to sue you. Then you sue the title insurance company. Well, unless, the title insurance says, unless, says, um, wait a sec. Unless that title insurance uh, policy that you bought says that the title insurance company is only liable for the sales price. I believe that's what uh, they all say, no? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what they do. I mean, they, they Then you're screwed. You what you pay for. Yeah, then I understand. <laughs> then you go after who is it that then then you go after the person that sold you the property under uh, false pretenses because they're also the ones responsible. So you may have to do that because if the title company says, "Here's what we insure," and then and you say, "Yes, that's fine," uh, then you've agreed to that, Eddie. We go after who again? Go after the person that sold you the property wrongly. We don't know who that is. What do you mean? Who Just sold you? The, wait a second. Someone sold you the property, Eddie. Right, right. It was an imposter. It was someone that impersonated uh, himself. Then that's who you, unfortunately, Eddie, that's unfortunately who you're going to have to sue. 
Because you got a mess on your hands. I mean, you got a mess on your hands. Right. And uh, I, you know what? I think uh, that that the the title company is going to say, "I'm only doing this." Uh, I just wanted to know this for myself. Yeah. How no. And I would. By the way, are you before you take my word for it, before you take my word, uh, what I would do is uh, talk to a real estate attorney. Uh, that's that's worthwhile. I'd buy an hour or two to see if you can go someplace, uh, because you know what the hell do I know about real estate? About as much I know about everything else. All right, this is Handle on the Law.